0: She was an American girl Raised up the promises She couldn't help thinking That there was a
1: little more life Somewhere else Alright guys, welcome back to the Nosebley Seeds Podcast. This is the 30th episode. I'm, I'm Matt, and as always, I'm joined by Liam, the Mufasa McCarron, um, pretty loaded episode, we haven't talked in quite a bit, um, seen a lot transpire over the last few weeks, obviously obviously the Celtics season has come to an end, uh, the Patriots uh, coming off a win versus the Raiders, they'll be playing the defending champion, 3-0 Kansas City Chiefs, and gonna be a wild one I'd like to think. Um, the Bruins are entering the offseason, uh, there's a lot going on, a lot to be talked about, some rumors floating around who they could be selling, who they could be trading for. And, of course, our beloved baseball team in Boston. Their uh, historic great season has come to an end. Um, nothing but positive things to say about them. I know I know you want to give them a shout-out to kick things off.
0: Yeah, so uh, let's just start there. Let's start with our baseball team. Um so, really good year. Oh, tremendous year. Uh, you know, I think we both started out blindly optimistic because <laughs> I think we both said that they might go five hundred, but uh, Jesus, you no! Know, one of the worst teams in the MLB—you can't really beat that. Um, <clears throat> in all reality, though, this is what this Red Sox team was. Um, I couldn't really name you one. If I were to tune into a game on Nesson and saw who was pitching, uh, about one time out of five, I probably knew who was actually pitching. <laughs> um, no, this Red Sox team, it just, it it sucked. But ultimately, the owners got what they wanted, which was we are now out of the luxury tax. We are now free of that nonsense for billionaires to mm-hmm. save what is chump change to them. So yeah, it's great. You know, the, the guys that own the Red Sox and the most successful soccer team in the world right now get to save a little bit of money. So good for them. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if JD opts out, um, wouldn't be surprised if guys start demanding trades. considering, I don't know what we're building towards. Um, Chris sale is coming back next year. He just got surgery. Yeah. Uh, my roommate is a, his major is like muscle throwing AT. Uh, I uh, blanking on what it is. He's an athletic training major. And he basically was like sales needed this surgery for years. Um, so sales coming back. That's good. Um, yeah, that's about all the bright side. I don't know if Erod's going to come back. Um, if I were him, I wouldn't because it sounds like he got genuine, like, serious complications from coronavirus. Um, but, I mean, you know, the, the Red Sox will be playing baseball next year. Will it be good baseball? I don't know. But definitely be playing the sport of baseball.
1: Uh, I think that I'm going to be a little bit more optimistic than you are. I think that uh, J.D. is coming off a down year. Uh hit, like, just over 200, I believe, to end the season which is like very, very, very below his standards. So I think that he – I think he's opting in. Um, I feel like he's just not going to get as much value as in what he has now. I don't really know how much exactly he makes, but I know it's a pretty good amount. And for an aging DH who's coming on a down year, he's definitely not going to get more than what the Red Sox opt in. Uh, contract would so I think he'll be back and listen this this is this this is a team where like this is just one of the best like franchises in baseball they're one of the most valuable franchises in the world in all sports this team is just too good to be this bad I think they're going to be big spenders obviously without going over that that luxury tax there are there are some free agents that entice me a lot um obviously I do think they they still need to add more pitching with Sale coming back. Uh, like you said, you don't know about Rodriguez. You don't know if he'll ever be that same guy. But you need more pitching than just Sale, Evaldi, and that hook, the Hauk guy who actually performed like lights out down the stretch at the end of the season. Um, Here's my uh, campaign. I'm going to start it right now. Trevor Bauer, please come to our team. Please. Yes, please. Please come to our team. Uh, I will love you forever no matter how bad you might do here. But um, he is, if you don't know who Trevor Bauer is, um, he is probably going to be the NL Cy Young winner. Um, He just pitched for the Reds yesterday. Um, No earned runs, or no runs at all. No walks, 12 Ks, 8 innings pitched, and his team could not get him a run. In fact, that team couldn't get him a run all series they were done in two games and scored zero runs um that's pretty embarrassing uh he, he's going to command a lot of money he's it means simple he's the top pitching pro, uh pitching player on the market so i'm all for it spend what you need to get for no bauer.
0: and i agree i think bauer is the guy that we need to say oh like last season the yankees blew off the door with the cold deal, like blew it off. Red Sox need to start showing that we're up there with the Yankees for these teams that like money isn't an option. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's just that simple money. Isn't an option for us and it shouldn't be We're we're owned by some of the richest owners in the league in our lifetime. Since they bought the team, we have spent money, like, just like the Yankees. We have been up there in payroll. I think Trevor Bauer would fit in perfect with um, here in Boston with the Red Sox, mainly because he is uh, he is the number one Astros hater mm-hmm. in higher MLB. He is he's just a dude. He like he's he like even like watching him pitch with the Reds this season. I was like, this guy just should like he just has the feel of a Red Sox yeah, play. Yeah,
1: exactly. If
0: he did, you know the second he comes to town, unless. The Yankees give him a unholy amount of money.
1: Yeah, no, that, that's comes, not happening.
0: If he if he comes to town, you know he'll be right up there being like, "Oh, fuck the Yankees, fuck the Yankees." He'll be chirping them on social media. Oh, yeah. He's not afraid to speak his mind, and the way he plays, not the way he pitches. I'm not gonna pretend like I'm a expert on analyzing pitchers, but the way he Physically goes out there. The mindset he has reminds me a lot of John Lackey. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people are probably going to go, okay, what do you mean by that? John Lackey for the Red Sox and John Lackey his entire career has, he's a workhorse and so is Trevor Bauer. Trevor Bauer is a workhorse. He pitched on three days rest to help get the Reds into the postseason. Mm -hmm. This is a Red team that had, even with the shortened season, I don't think many people picked them to be in the postseason. Trevor Bauer, they were in contention, and he said, whenever you need me to go, I'm going to go. That's exactly how John Lackey is, and that's exactly John Lackey was, and that's exactly how Trevor Bauer is. They're guys that want the ball in their hand because they love the game, and they want to do as much as they possibly can to help their team win. I remember in 2013, Lackey was on the mound when Farrell went to take him out, and he was like cussing him out he was like no give me one more batter give me one more batter let me get out of the inning let me get out of the inning." kept saying that took him out they're just guys that want to pitch and those are guys that you want on your team guys that have that intensity for the game which i mean it's rare to find these days and i say the red Sox fucking spend the money what are we worried about now we're out of the luxury tax yeah
1: exactly uh i think that uh, you just said it you put it perfectly he is He is a very fun, fun guy. He's – that's how you – I mean, he has a vlog on YouTube. I don't know if you watch it, but I watch all of his vlogs on YouTube. And just, like, you think – I mean, you think the guy with, like, all his, like, chirping and his antics on Twitter and stuff like that, which I have no problem with, you think he wouldn't really, like, be the hardest-working guy. He is, like, unbelievable when it comes to preparation uh, to pitch on game days. This Just the little – things he does it's it's nuts it's crazy like the the workouts and like the he's on like this like treatment thing like machine it's it's nuts you have to see it but Trevor Bauer I mean certainly even if it's not if they are unable to get a guy like that if they just get outbid or something like that you got to bring in some more pitchers Um, a couple free agents probably leaving like Jackie Bradley you're gonna need to replace that I mean listen this is not going to be like a a Loaded Red Sox team next year, but I do think they'll be better. Obviously, they'll be better. They really can't get much worse. I mean, they they're the fir- fourth worst team in baseball. So, I mean, we'll have to see. I mean, I'm just starting my campaign right now. That's all I have to say is that I am the, I am taking charge of the Trevor Bauer to Boston campaign.
0: No, I, I'm fully. I'll be your. I'll be your VP on the <laughs> Trevor Bauer to Boston campaign. I'm a hundred percent on that. I my whole thing before we move on from the Red Sox, who obviously this is a disappointment year, is a weird year. It's everything works out very oddly. Like COVID, when COVID hit, we didn't even know if we were gonna have a season. So Sale got the surgery. We were without our ace. Erod isn't who would then became our ace. Is it's just was a whole weird year. Yep. So next year, come back healthy, whatever. We maybe maybe are the third best team in the AL East. Yep. Maybe. And I hate to say it, but like the Rays are probably the best team in the AL East and the Yankees are the second best team. I hate to say that the Yankees are better than us, but the Yankees are. I mean, fu- fucking Baltimore finished ahead of us this year. Fucking Baltimore. Baltimore has been irrelevant for the past five seasons. Mm-hmm. My whole thing with this team is the owners and the front office need to find a way to make up to the fans for trading Mookie Betts. That's it. That's all. That is all. We have to find a way to stomach the Mookie Betts trade. David Price is gone. I was one of the biggest David Price supporters, but that was a contract that we had to get rid of. Fine with it, even though we're still paying, I believe, a quarter of it. It's whatever. Get the David Price part of the deal. We, the front office, the owners, the entire Red Sox organization, has to find a way for us as fans to make it seem like that Bet's trade was worth it. Mm-hmm. it. First off, it wasn't worth it, but we need to find a way to make that trade seem relevant. Like make make us at least stomach that trade moderately.
1: Yeah, I mean, I I just think they're too good of a franchise to not. Like, if we were like the Tampa Bay Rays, we'd probably never get over a trade like that because they're just a smaller market team, who budget their money around, um, draft well, always have good pitching staff. But other than that, they really can never make it out of like the first or second round of the playoffs. I mean, this year is different. I mean, their their pitching staff is just that loaded, and they found some good hitters for cheap money. But I mean. We're the Boston Red Sox. We are we are like the Real Madrid of soccer. I mean like we're just too big.
0: Ooh. Hey, 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 whoa, don't don't go that far. But the Yankees are Real Madrid. You're right, you're right, you're right. <laughs> we're 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 more like the Manchester United of soccer. Yeah.
1: We're just too we're too big. We're too big to not um come back and we're too big to not like have short um sucking sprees.
0: But what my whole point is that the last homegrown player that the Red Sox brought up that was at the caliber of Mookie Betts was Nomar garcia Pop And a homegrown player that was at the caliber of him that had really no reason to leave town other than non-personal, like <laughs> obviously Manny was moderately... Homegrown, I believe. and No, wait, never mind. Manny wasn't. Manny was on the Indians. Mm -hmm. Correct me on that. The last homegrown player that we traded away was Nomar. Mm -hmm. Nomar was MVP caliber. There's a quote from A-Rod of one all-star game where he was like, ah, he's like, I'm the youngest, Jeter's the richest, and Nomar is the best from A-Rod, about the three best shortstops in baseball. Nomar was way up there. We traded him away but we needed to trade him away to win a World Series. Perfectly fine with that. Red Sox fans were able to stomach the Nomar trade. Nomar was beloved in Boston, just like Mookie Betts was. Mm -hmm. Now Mookie Betts is gone, and we just traded him away for us to fit in the luxury tax, which is, I just think is, a. I mean, I'm still, like, appalled by the trade, and I hope Verdugo works out. I hope Jeter Downs works out. I hope all the guy all the assets we brought in work out because I know there's one other guy, but I forgot his name. I hope everyone that we got in that trade works out. But just right now there is no this is just gonna leave a sour taste in Red Sox mouths Red Sox fans mouth for I think years to come, considering we basically just gave the Dodgers I don't know probably one of the best probably the best i can't even think of right fielders off the top of my head but
1: probably the
0: best right fielder in baseball oh yeah i mean
1: i mean i fucking won an mvp he's a a top five player in the league
0: how many mvps get (laughs) traded?
1: i mean we'll see i mean i definitely don't want to spend too much more time talking about this yeah, no, I'm sorry. Good. Yeah,
0: good. This is supposed to be like two minutes just being like, ah, oh, the Red Sox sucked, but then it spewed into... <laughs> no, I don't care. This.
1: But um Enough Sox talk. We'll we'll see. We'll be definitely talking about uh off season stuff as it comes. But um the Celtics Heartbreak. Uh definite, definite heartbreak. Um the fashion that that series ended in. Um I mean it was it was heat heat kind of controlled that whole series but game 5 we win and it's just like you know what like maybe like take game 6 and then it's a best of one and I think a lot of us were feeling good especially down the stretch in that game 6 game up one with like 7 to go um playing really good and then the the wheels just fell off and they end up losing by 20 points maybe I yeah but i mean it it's the celtics just inability to get past the third round of the playoffs um to to put my whole spiel on it real quick first i mean they're just too young it's too young of a team um the heat hats off to them i mean they're a tremendous team tremendous team um Eric Spoelstra, one of the best coaches in the game. Jimmy Butler, I mean, what better leader to have on your team than him? Um, to be a star player and not have to score 35 points, and I don't mean that because, like, he he can't because he, he he can. He can easily score 35. He, he's just such a good leader, and he distributes. He's such an efficient player, and then you complement him with guys like Bam Adebayo, Uh, Tyler Hero, Duncan Robinson, Gordon Dragic. I mean, just such a deep team. Uh, It felt at times during the series that they had just, like, endless scoring. Like, no matter who they brought in, they were good for 10, 15 points, no matter how many minutes they played. Um, I'm not really mad. I mean, it's sort of like a Bruins thing with the Lightning series. I mean, we just played a better team. And it sucks. It really sucks because I wanted I just really wanted to see what the Celtics had against the Lakers in the finals. Because originally when we first started talking about the Celtics going into the postseason, I was just I really was not there. I did not feel it. I thought this was gonna be a second round, maybe third round quick exit team, and they proved me wrong. They did. Um But I mean, like I said, too young of a team. Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, twenty-three and twenty-two years old. You got to remember that um, these guys in four years will be in their primes, and I'm sure it's going to be a whole lot different of a story uh, in terms of playoffs and stuff like that. But it's a shame. You can go.
0: No. no. Oh, sorry. I I I agree. Like it's 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 just tough to swallow the celtics are out because i think me and you both as bruins fans i think we we both more than celtics fans like i think we both said like ah, oh, the bruins are going to win the cup but i think we both knew in our heart of hearts that the celtics had the best chance to win a title out of any of the boston yep. teams um yeah it's no slouch on the bruins they won the president's trophy they were the best team in the nhl before the lockdown um, I'm not going to talk about what if coronavirus never happened, but all the issues with the Celtics team, though, are good issues, Is which is what most teams can't say. If you were to look at the Clippers and say, like, oh, what went wrong for them? Well, it's maybe the locker room isn't young. Maybe stuff isn't going right. They got rid of Doc Rivers, who... By the way, I did a deep dive on Doc Rivers' career as a coach. Doc Rivers yeah. sucks. NBA coach. I did not realize that. I think I was just blinded by the Celtics title with them. Doc Rivers is not a good coach. and now he's at the, now he's with the 76ers, so we have nothing to worry about with the 76ers. Like nothing. Doc Rivers has been to the same amount of conference finals as Brad Stevens has. And Brad Stevens has only coached a relevant team for about five years. And if you, dis, if you discount the Kyrie year, which I think we all knew that team was in the shitter last year's team, Brad Stevens just goes to conference finals like you read about. Doc Rivers gets handed a one of the best teams in the NBA. Yep. They were the favorite to win the title at one point. And then he just throws that in the shitter. It I just think I think the problem with the Celtics team is that we're too young, which is a great problem to have. How many teams do you think like you can look at? Like, think about it. Like you look at the Bucs, like, uh, what was wrong with the Bucs? What was wrong with the Clippers? What was wrong? What was wrong with the Nuggets? How come they couldn't get past LA? What's wrong with all these teams? Uh, the Celtics are the probably the only team right now that I can think about where our issue is just an issue that we're going to get past. Yep. It's just the team was too young. We gave up leads. We sucked in the third quarter. It's just simple issues to fix, and I think we're going to fix them. It's, that's all it is. Our two best players, like you said, are 22 and 23. We have a young team built with two, well, two All-Stars in Kemba and Tatum. One future All-Star in Brown. A first-team All-Defender in Smart. Brown is also going to get in. um, Brown's also going to get a first-team All-Defense. This team is built to win. And we can only get better from here. That is my whole spiel with the Celtics team. That's the whole thing that I think about when I think about how this Celtics season went. This is a team where we can only get better. This is a, like, last year's season, everyone didn't click. You get rid of the locker room cancer Kyrie. Next season, yeah, we're going to have a problem with Kyrie and Durant. It's just two snakes on a team that are very good. But... (laughs) Listen, the Heat proved it this year, though. It's team basketball that will win. It's team basketball that has won for the past several years, except for a couple examples. The The Warriors didn't win because of Steph Curry. They won because they were a team. Yeah, it helped that they had Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, Kevin Durant, all that. No, but they played team basketball. Team basketball is what wins titles. All these stars help, but it's if you play as a team is what makes the difference. And the Clippers clearly showed it this postseason that all the talent in the world sometimes doesn't help. Say what you want about playoff P, but I, I really like what this Celtics future is at. Only, only in Boston, the Twitter account tweeted that, like, we should blow up the team except for everyone, but Smart, Kemba, and Tatum. And I was like, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. That's the dumbest take I've ever heard. This Celtics team is built to win. Rob Williams is gonna get better. Brown's gonna get better. Smart, I think, is already at the peak. Kemba's already an all-star. And the scariest thing of all, I think the rest of the league has to work it, look out for is that Jason Tatum is just gonna get better. Jason Tatum hasn't he just keeps elevating his game. Jason Tatum is going to be an MVP candidate within the next two seasons. I am not worried about the Celtics team and I think they're going to be the best team in Boston for the next four seasons, which is a, which is high praise for the caliber of teams that this, that Boston produces.
1: Uh, I mean, they're, they're definitely, they need to address a couple things this off season. One being they need to get, um, they need to find their Bam out of bio. I think, like a player like him would just go so perfectly with what we run here. I mean, Daniel Tice hats off to him. Uh, he had a really good run in the playoffs, but I mean, I think we all just know that he's just not that guy. Uh, he's not a starting caliber center, like night in night out. Uh, 82 games. A year. I say,
0: keep though. huh?
1: I say, keep Oh them yeah, them. no, absolutely. There's no reason why they couldn't just bring him off the bench. He's cheap money. Um, but I just think that I know how hard it's, it's, you can't just like go pick and find a bam out of bio type player, but they don't need like a, all these people saying they need like a rim protector. I mean, I don't really feel like that's the case as much. I mean, if they did get one, I wouldn't be opposed, but they need a center to like be able to like move around, um, more consistently than what Tice, I mean, obviously Tice did great things, but, um, I don't know. I just think they need to find a more like threat at, at the five. Also, uh, obviously the bench got against a couple more bench pieces. Um, They clearly showed uh, against the heat. Heat were just deeper than us. I mean, they're, they're bringing on guys like Tyler, uh, Duncan Robinson, who's literally like, (laughs) he's like the best shooter I've ever seen. Dude. Like (laughs) that guy was actually lights out uh, beyond, beyond the arc. Um, Two things,
0: two things, real quick about this Heat team, because I think we're all rooting for the Heat. Yep. Yeah, I think okay. I think we all can say that we fuck fuck LeBron, fuck the Lakers. It's the perfect bad guy team. They smacked him around in Game One last night. My thing with the Heat, though, is that I hate two players on their team more than anything on this planet.
1: Let me guess. One is Dragic, no, really, oh dude, that guy pissed me off
0: i'll I'll, I'll tell you right now one I think Dragic is very good. I thought he's been underrated his entire career. I think Duncan Robinson <laughs> he has probably the most punchable face on the entire yeah. planet.
1: <laughs> oh, and I know he, the other one <laughs> Wisconsin boy over here. <laughs>
0: Let me finish with Duncan. You can't look at Duncan (laughs) Robinson and not say, I want to punch him square in the face. And then number two (laughs) is that piece of shit that went to Kentucky, Tyler Hero. He's a piece of shit. He's a scumbag. He's a snake. He's whatever you want to call him. Any bad word you can describe is Tyler Hero. For everyone listening out there that doesn't know Tyler Hero, he grew up in Wisconsin. He's from Wisconsin, born, bred, Wisconsin boy. And then commits to Wisconsin at the end of his sophomore year. And then just when he started getting actual, not actual, but when Coach Calipari came knocking, he just was like, ah, fuck Wisconsin. I'm going to go to Kentucky. And then he plays the, oh, boo-hoo. Like, I couldn't go out my junior and senior year because I got death threats. Yeah, no shit. (laughs) You fucking chose Wisconsin, and then you left. You were a home. I've been a Wisconsin fan since Frank Kaminsky's team beat Kentucky, which I think was like 2015, 2016. Wisconsin, and I've I've done deep dives. I've watched past Wisconsin stuff. Wisconsin rarely gets top recruits, which it's a tough, tough basketball team to be a fan of. But um, – I live with it. It's just like being a Spurs fan. It's just like being a Wisconsin football fan. Um, it's tough. Like you, you just have to like live with the live with the issues that you have. But <laughs> Tyler Hero was supposed to be the great hope. He you know, was a top recruit, one of the best players in the nation. Committed to Wisconsin, he was ready to go. Do I blame him? for leaving Wisconsin going going Kentucky? No, I probably would have done the same thing considering Coach K probably just told him, hey, do you want to go to the NBA in a year? And he was like, yeah, I sure do. And then he just left. <laughs> Tyler Hero, in the history of Kentucky, is not even a top 50 player that went there. Not even a top oh. 50 player that went there. If he went to Wisconsin, he would have been a top five, probably the Top five guaranteed. He would have been a top one. He would have been number one if he just went to Wisconsin for at least two years. He probably would have went pro after two years. But, you know, all to him. Fuck him. I hope the Heat win, though. Sorry, that was my spiel there. <laughs> But fuck Tyler. Piece of shit. A little prick. <laughs> Fucking prick.
1: Uh, so... Um... I think we're all rooting for the heat, so uh, we I really
0: Yeah, go go not, go not
1: really looking too good as as Adebayo and uh Dragic are both out game two.
0: Huh. Oh no, they're they are going into the series even if they're fully healthy. Tremendous underdogs. yeah uh, i <laughs> they're playing against two top five players in the NBA. Yeah.
1: I mean their their chances just got that much slimmer. So I mean, I would like to think the series is over, but um, a little part of me thinks Jimmy <laughs> Butler maybe could just make this interesting a little bit here, even if it's just making no, it's, it close games and it, still losing.
0: It's no, over. All right. It's not even. It's not even going to be a series. The Celtics may have gave them a a run, but I hate to say it, but the. The the Lakers, it's you. You just can't beat LeBron. At yeah. AD. And trust me, I'm I'm rooting against them. I hope the Heat will somehow find something. But and it the, the funny thing is, LeBron James isn't the player I even hate the most on the Lakers. Who is it? Kyle Kuzma. Did you know? Kyle Did you
1: know that? Kyle Kuzma, hold on, real quick. Scumbag. Did you know that? Um. Tyler Hero's girl is Kyle Kuzma's ex.
0: I did, I which did. is awesome. Of that.
1: <laughs> I'm about to start taking Kuzma's unders every game.
0: Yeah, no, Kuzma. Kuzma's as much as I hate Tyler Hero, I hate Kyle Kuzma more. Mainly because when he hit that meaningless game winner in the in the bubble games in the regular season, uh, he was like, oh, "It doesn't matter who's guarding me. It could have been Jesus. I would have hit it." And uh, oh, as brother. a Christian boy, uh, I think I would have taken uh, Jesus over Kyle <laughs> Kuzma. And even he, Kevin Durant, as much as I, I – I hate a lot of people now that, like, we're talking about it. But as much as I hate Kevin Durant, he had a funny tweet where he quoted uh Kuzma's comment, and he was like, yeah, I think I'm going to take Jesus over you, bro.
1: <laughs> Kuzma's a fucking prick, dude. I loved he, when –
0: He dresses like a guy. Idiot. As much as everyone chirps Russell Westbrook for the way he dresses, like he dresses like a like I don't even like I can't believe the NBA even like allows him to wear what he <laughs> wears. Like it's not even considered fashion. <laughs> it's just it's just weird ass shit.
1: <laughs> so um Celtics off season will be starting soon. We'll be uh breaking down whatever. Um they'll be doing. Obviously they'll be busy on draft night. They have three first round picks and we certainly expect them to add a couple more pieces. Danny Ainge today to wrap this up quickly. Danny Ainge said he certainly believes that the Celtics are going to be a luxury tax team. Um, so they're going to be in the negatives in the cap space in order to get better. Um, probably to improve that bench. maybe, Maybe just find a five. That's probably going to be the more difficult of the two. But um, we'll be breaking that down when it comes.
0: I'll tell you right now, real quick, before we change off of it, the Celtics better draft Azabuki out of Kentucky. Guy is a menace in the paint. Can't shoot for shit, but he rebounds and scores in the paint like a menace. Azabuki better be coming to the Celtics, I swear to God.
1: Is he like a top 10 pick or is is he reasonable?
0: Nope. No, 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 no. Very reasonable. Okay. Very reasonable for us to get.
1: Okay. I like it. I like it. So, with that, we're moving on. Talking some pats here. Um, the Patriots are coming off a 36 to 20 win over the Raiders. Okay, right? 36. I forgot the final score. But they um, – Yeah, I
0: also – forgot
1: the They had uh, – They struggled a little bit in the beginning of the game. Um Cam Newton, uh, did not have his best day, uh, through a re- pretty horrible interception to one of their safeties. Um, they really relied heavily on their, uh, run. Uh, Rex Burkhead had a career day. Um, Sony Michelle also, um, had a very, very good day. He had like nine rushes for like 120 yards, which is, which is like freakish, um, something that we've been waiting for for years with sony michelle seems like every year he always gives you that one good game but anyways um it was all run and belichick just kind of had his way with his defense um it almost just seemed like bill belichick is just counting on other teams to make mistakes he's just kind of like playing like a very conservative defense like always and he just waits for them to crack and no and behold. Uh Derek Carr. I mean taking a safety, all that stuff. I mean, just it's just stupid. The like the Raiders were pretty much in that game at like the halftime. And they just kind of gave it away. And games where your court your opposing quarterback is struggling, like you gotta have it. And she seems like the Raiders just totally backed off. Like it was they were only down three at half, I believe, and then the wheels just kind of fell off. then they made like a late push in the fourth but um pretty boring, pretty boring of a game. it really was um but but, like you said we we talked about this you you stated this before the season started um it was perfectly addressed against the Raiders. you said heavy run, um conservative defense. I'm, you might have even said count on other teams mistakes. And you said games are going to be lived in the trenches and it's going to be boring. You quite literally said that. I remember it because when I was watching the Raiders game, I was like, damn, Liam was right. He said this before the season started. So, I mean, I'll leave it off to you here. Uh, give your thoughts on the game.
0: Yeah, no, I'm I'm not in my head right now because I, I know for a fact I was right about this Patriots yeah. game. It's boring football. We know what we know what football has become. We all like watching Patrick Mahomes and Lamar Jackson and Russell Wilson. They scramble, they move around, they yoss up the deep ball. It it's that's exciting football. But the football that wins you games. The football that, that gets you the gets you the gritty wins, the, the wins that might not come from the flashy stuff. It's what the Patriots are doing. What the Patriots are doing right now. They are, it's run heavy, battles in the trenches. Freaking Rex Burkhead was our best player this week, which in our DPW league, I played him. <laughs> James Thanks was pissed. Much. Thank you very much. Played him, won me the game. It's the way it is. It's the way the Patriots play this season. It's We have a mobile quarterback. Our freaking, our, our within five yard, within five yards of the goal line play is Cam Newton and a fullback in the backfield. No other teams run in that formation. No other team in I I'm probably a team in college football might be running that. No other team is running that, that formation. Yeah. It cost us the Seahawks game. I don't think we've talked since then because I think everyone in the world knew the play that we were running. But this is the way we're going to win games. Mm-hmm. This, is, this is how we're going to win. And people question Belichick, like, oh, he didn't handle the timeouts right. He didn't do this. I'm going back to the Seahawks game here. With the Seahawks game, the way I see it, if you can get on the two-yard line with one play to win the game, you did your job handling the timeouts. Mm-hmm. That's all I'm saying. If you can get on the two-yard line, one play, either you score, the defense stops you, that decides the game, perfectly fine with that. Perfectly fine with the way everything was handled. But this Pats team, it might not be the most exciting brand of football, but it's all on our defense. Our offense is going to do what it does. We're going to hammer the ball home. We're going to control time of possession. And we're just going to run a lot of options, a lot of hammering in with Burkett. And when when Cam's throwing, Cam's been pretty good throwing the football this year, I've been thinking. Like, yeah, he made that mistake this week against the Raiders, but, I mean, I love Cam Newton. I I do. I love Cam Newton. He's been tremendous so far this year for us and the way this offense is going to work. And now this is my question that I was going to bring up to you I mentioned before the show. Didn't tell you. Now this is the first time I'm dropping it. Cam Newton is a top-blank quarterback quarterback in the NFL after 3 weeks. Where do you put him at top 5, 10, 15 or 20?
1: Uh Well, I'm definitely not going to put him in the top 5. Yeah, I agree. Um I would pr- make you think. I would probably put him right Right over the top ten margin, so I'm technically gonna gonna say top fifteen, but I don't think he's far off from being a top ten quarterback. I mean, it's kind of it's kind of like a tricky question because I mean this guy just needs someone else to throw the ball to. Um, I mean, can't uh, Nikhil Harry has been kind of iffy at times. I mean, I, it's definitely not what I had hoped for. Nikhil Harry doesn't necessarily mean he's been bad. But, I mean, they got to use this guy as a downfield threat, and they're just not. And I hate it. I hate watching it. They're just forcing him to be a different receiver than what he, what he thrives or what he thrived at at um, Arizona State. So, I mean, it's either get Nikhil Harry going to what a role he's familiar with or get another, get another man there, get another receiver, whether it's a big name or just someone, just God, not like a Mohamed Sanu deal. I either want a big receiver, like a first, give up a first round pick for a receiver, or just go sign like a, or trade for a, like a durable guy for like a mid round pick. Don't just go and get like a tweener for a second. Like, it was, just, I don't know, that move just pissed me off. But if Cam Newton gets another threat, I do think he can be a top 10 quarterback. Um, That top five is pretty solidified right now. Russell Wilson, Mahomes, Lamar, uh, Josh Allen is cemented, and you could probably make your case for like Dak or Deshaun, one of those guys. I don't think Cam's in that level. I don't think he will be, but there's no reason why he can't be a top 10 quarterback. That's my answer.
0: Now, see, my, my answer is I think he is 100. 100% a top 10 quarterback in the NFL. And obviously, like you said, the top fives probably cemented after three weeks. It's 100%, obviously, the usual suspects, I Mm -hmm. think, just riling off the top of my head, not even thinking, but Mahomes, Lamar, Dak, uh, Deshaun, and then, I don't know, Breeze has been underperforming. yeah. But after three weeks, I think I would throw Josh Allen in there, and I'm like, I'm saying Cam isn't the best quarterback in the AFC. Mm-hmm. Like he he isn't. Josh Allen has been performing tremendously, mm-hmm. but Cam Cam Newton has been doing what he needs to do to win games, and that's why I really like him. He like it's not flashy. He's I'm pretty sure right now he is the NFL leader in rushing touchdowns. He is just playing just this gritty brand of football that might not show on the statue. Like he probably will not end the season at 5,000 or 4,000 passing yards. He probably won't have 30 passing TDs, but just the way he orchestrates this offense and the way this offense is now, which it might be a little different for Patriot fans to watch. I think just the way he, he does it, which the main thing about, Being a quarterback, and I think we've learned this for the whole time that we had Tom Brady, it doesn't matter what stats you put up, it's about Mm -hmm. results. And right now, he's getting getting results. Say what you will about a Miami win and a Las Vegas Raiders win. We went toe-to-toe until the last play of the game against Seattle. Obviously, this week... We'll get we'll get a feel of how this Patriots team actually is when they play the the real big, big boys. I mean, Seattle's probably one of the best teams in the NFC. But defending Super Bowl champs, champs Patrick Mahomes, the Chiefs have looked invincible this entire year so far. I mean, granted, it's only three weeks, but it's what it is. Even if the Patriots lose this game, which I think me and you both are probably I think I already picked them to lose it. Mm-hmm. Even if we lose this game, if we just show up and make it go down to the wire, unlike unlike the Ravens, they're game. gone. And Cam Newton's proving why he's our guy. He's proving why he's our guy yeah. right now. He keeps us in games. I think we're going to be in this game, Grant. I don't think we're going to win, but if we win, that's unbelievable. Like I, I, if we upset the Chiefs this week, that's unheard of. Because the Chiefs look goddamn invincible right now. And I think Cam Newton is our guy, and I think we're going to win the division. I really love Cam Newton right now. And it's still, like, he's been our quarterback for, what, like three months now? Like, it still feels so weird. Three, four, five, I don't know how long he's technically been signed with the Patriots. It still feels so weird to say that Cam Newton, Heisman Trophy winner, league MVP, is our quarterback
1: right now. It's going to be a close game. There's no doubt in my mind this is going to be a blowout for the Chiefs. Um, We have Bill Belichick. Time and time again we talk about this. Bill Belichick, just the way he plays, he always put – or the way he coaches, I should say. The way he coaches, um, he always, always, always keeps it with impact. Very rarely the Patriots have ever been blown out. Um, it's happened like once every couple seasons during the Brady era. Um, Plus just like this, I don't want to call it a rivalry, but just this thing we have going with the Chiefs its always a close game. And with Brady or not, this is going to be close. It's going to be. So they might not win, but I certainly expect them to cover. uh, Plus seven, they're going to cover that. No doubt about it. Unless the Chiefs score some garbage touchdown. But I mean – I have a question for you. I have a question for you.
0: Just real quick, hold the question, but I just want to say just weird fact. I saw it when ESPN said it. This is the I think fourth time in the since the start of the Brady Belichick era that we have been more than a uh more than a one-score underdog in a game. One we're rarely the underdog in general, but like since the start of the Brady un- Brady Belichick era. This is the f- fourth time that we have been more than a one-score underdog. Wow! I think we're covered. I really do.
1: Oh, I do too. It's a lot of points.
0: And I, 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 I just don't. I don't think it's going to be as high-scoring as people expect. Mm-hmm.
1: All right. So, Mike. But your my question. So obviously, with the uh, Seahawks game. Everyone when we turned the TV off that night, we were like, okay, like this is good. Like this is, we almost gave it like a pass. We, we, we gave the Patriots a pass. Am I wrong? No, absolutely. How many more passes do you give this team? Like, do you, are you giving a pass to this team versus the chiefs this week? If they make it close, are you giving them that yes. pass?
0: I'll, I'll tell you right now, there's two games that I consider passes on our schedule. That I knew right off the bat, and it's us playing against the Chiefs, and it's us playing against the Raiders. I'm Raiders. Us playing against the Ravens. There's two, two. There was going into the season. I said that we are going to go eleven and five, 10 and six. Yeah. And we're going to lose like a fluky one against Miami, New York. We usually do, but that was Brady Bell. That was the Brady era. So maybe Cam Newton won't allow that. There was three losses that I just counted right off the bat it was the Seahawks, it was the Chiefs, and it was the Ravens. And we gave the Seahawks a run for their money. Again, you can get down to the two-yard line and have one play decide the game. You did your part. Like, it's just, okay, we lost. I can stomach that loss. Now there's two, there's two more passes. I'm fine with losing to the Chiefs, and I'm fine with losing to the Ravens in the regular season. And if we can sneak one out of either one of those remaining two games that we have to play against the Chiefs and the Ravens, I'm perfectly fine with that. The, those are the only those are the only three games on our schedule where I'm like, okay, pass. Like, listen, a loss is a loss, but we looked good today. Mm-hmm. The Seahawks are probably a top what two or three team in the NFC. Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. Now we go up against the Chiefs, who is probably, in all accounts, the best team in the NFL. If we can get a close game out of them, pass. We looked good. If we look sharp against them, all good. I'll take a loss there. If we look sharp against the Ravens, fine with it. we look good, I'm fine with it. Perfectly fine. But those are the only three passes that I had on our schedule, and we already used one of them. I'm fine with losing to the Seahawks. I'm fine with losing to the Chiefs, and I'm fine with losing to the Ravens. They're on paper better teams. in Seasons, like I'm fine with losing to the Chiefs and right? Ravens. Um, I do.
1: I'm, I'm kind of. I mean, I'm not going to totally disagree, but I do think this team needs a statement win. Because if we lose to all these teams that are better than us on paper, come playoff time, we're gonna need. We're gonna need a statement win. Uh, just to know that, like, we can fucking play with these guys. Um, I do think I-, I would give them the pass this week. I mean, dude, this this offense that the Chiefs carry out is unlimited. They're unlimited on offense. I mean, just when you think you have everyone accounted for, they do a sh- fucking shovel pass to the fullback for walk-in touchdown. I mean, then they're throwing lobs to their left tackle lined up as a tight end. I mean, it's just limitless. Um, It just seems like every week, they're just pulling more tricks out of the bag. But, like, then again, this team almost lost to the Chargers two weeks ago in Justin Herbert's first game ever. Like, I do think we can beat this team, obviously. I'm sure a lot of people can agree with me, but the, the thing is, with me, I just think that you can't just go handing off passes with every every team that's better than us on paper. We're gonna need one or two upsets to to send a message to other teams come playoff time. Like, hey, we gotta we can't like just come in here thinking that these are just the rinky-dink Tom Brady list Patriots, and we're just gonna roll over them because we beat them and they lost to all these top dogs in the regular season so we can just roll them to now we need to have a couple one one win one win so it's like okay at their best this is what this team is whether it's against the Chiefs the Ravens I think they're gonna be the Ravens I... later on the year but to kind of shift focus with this with this Chiefs game um, they cannot give up on the run as early as the Ravens did and um, the Ravens on Monday Night Football came out opening drive, ran, ran over the Chiefs downfield first drive. Um, got a field goal out of it, I believe. They stalled out in the red zone. And the Chiefs just kind of got an easy first drive touchdown. It was over. And it was then, over. It was over for me. Seemed... Yeah. And the Ravens just gave up on their on their run, which is which is why which is what makes them so lethal. And I mean, we are not as versatile and as great of a running team as the Ravens and who they have. Lamar, uh, they have like three or four good running backs who any given down can just come in and work you. Uh, we cannot cannot give up on our run game as quickly as um, Baltimore did, just because. They were down a score. Not, so. I
0: don't – I um, I agree with you, but I don't think we're going to – I think that's just the difference between the coaching, Harbaugh, and Yeah. I think Belichick yeah, exactly. sees a game plan. If it goes south, he just – you know, he tweaks it a little bit. Like, we've never seen us, like, completely give up on a game plan, give up on what's our bread and, br- bread and butter. I mean, our bread and butter for the past couple of years has been Brady doing little dump-offs. Like, just if that's not working on the mm-hmm. first couple of drives, we don't give up on that. You just slowly become more versatile. And I think that's what we're going to do this week against the Chiefs. It's We're going to do a little bit more. We're going to run the ball like we have been. But I would expect more, you know, more plays that will catch the Chiefs sleeping. Like, And I really think that, Nick, that Nikhil Harry deep ball is going to be coming this week. I expect him to get a real deep pass from Cam Newton this week. I wouldn't be surprised if we pull the flea out of the bag this week. I'll call it. Now. I think we're going to pull off the flea you know, It's an Achille Harry Dean, Ooh, I, I like I it. I really do.
1: I like it. <laughs> if that happens, dude, that's yeah, like that total to props. <laughs> but um, the. The, the Chiefs' defense is really, like, not that great. Like, they are very, like, I don't want to say overrated, but, like, I feel like as good as their offense is, their, their bad defense just kind of gets overlooked. Don't get me wrong. They have some very, very good players. Chris Jones, uh, Honey Badger. But other than that, they have a pretty bad run D, and their secondary isn't all that great around uh, Tyron Matthew at all. At all. So, I mean... There's no reason to to say we cannot um, stay in this game. Obviously, we're probably going to be down, but I do think it's going to come down to the wire. I think it's going to be a very, very similar game to the to Seahawks. I'd like for, it to, for us to not be um, down so much as we were to the Seahawks. We're down like two or three scores. But there's no reason to say we cannot score on this Chiefs defense because by all means, they are not the best. In the I
0: agree. At I think it's going to be a very close game.
1: Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. Bill Belichick, Bill Belichick, will always, 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 no matter what personnel he has, will always make a close game. Just because he's that much smarter than every other head coach. Oof! Damn, I yeah. kind of out kind of breath, but. Um so we'll be talking next week about this this Patriots Chiefs matchup. Kind of surprised it's not prime time, but anyways, one o'clock on Sunday. Um we'll be talking next week about it. Last off to uh end the episode. We're gonna be talking a little bit of ruins as the Stanley Cup champion has been a crown, Tampa Bay Lightning. NHL season is over, uh, which means off season is quite literally right around the corner. It's about a week, the drafts in about a week. Free agency is like the week after. Um Bruins have been in a lot of rumors. Um I'll uh, I'll talk about Ekman Larson. then I know you want to talk about uh some interesting trade scenarios the Bruins could be involved in. Um Oliver Ekman Larson being probably the biggest trade piece uh listed on the market right now. Uh Coyotes, Arizona Coyotes, defenseman. Um, very well-rounded. He makes $8.5 a, a year. He's 28 or 29 years old. Um, he's no doubt about it a top-four defenseman. And the Bruins, surprisingly, would surprise me a lot that they were uh, in talks for this kind of player. Um, they're in the final two or three-team running for Oliver ekman Larson. He does carry like seven years left on his deal with eight and a half per uh, talking about dollars, obviously Um, this would be a very, very weird thing because I'm just not too sure what this trade would be. I'm not sure if this is more of a coyotes trying to sell him, give up for like less than what he should be worth just because of that contract. Or if they're trading him because they think that highly of him, and they're just trying to get um, some more well-rounded, um, more well-rounded roster, fill out their roster a little bit, whether that be draft picks, or get some couple decently good players to fill their team out with. Very confusing to me, um, personally. I'm not a fan of that whole uh, seven years left thing. I'm not trying to be paying a uh, defenseman when he's 35 years old, eight or eight and a half million dollars a year. Um, it's not really what I'm trying to do. Same reason why I don't think I'd want Tory Krug for eight years, probably around that money, maybe a little bit less. Um, but certainly, uh, before I give it off to you, I, I it certainly does feel like Tory Krug is out the door. It, it feels like his time here is over. Um, he's going to get a very, very strong market, um, and he's going to command top dollars. I don't think the Ruins are going to be able to afford him but um, I know you said you saw some article. You want to talk about that? Uh, yeah, no. So
0: um, I think Ekman Larson is on. A- Ekman Larson is on the move mainly because the Yotes just got handed down some pretty severe penalties. Um, when it results in their G- with their GM leaving, oh, yeah, so I, I think they're that. gonna dump him off to recruit. Uh, re- I don't know the proper vocabulary word there. But uh, to basically compensate some loss of assets that they now have, you know, lost because the NHL stripped them away from. Him. And Agmar Larson's a guy that will bring pretty much top trade value. He is a phenomenal player, yep. All Star. He's already under contract, which I mean, some teams might look at as bad, but. You know, you at least, you don't have to worry about him leaving. You have him in in house for the next several years. Um, but I think the Bruins should go after him because we're going to lose a huge, huge asset in Tory Krug. I think we all know Tory Krug is out the door. I think he's personally going to go to Detroit. But I think Tory Krug is out the door. He's gone. Uh, it really sucks. I like Tory Krug. I thought we should have traded him. A year ago, but that's just me, but, um, I think we all agree that Tory Krug is probably gone, but, um, going to the article that I read, uh, right now, TSM has Jake DeBrusque and Tuka Rask as number six and number 10, respectfully in, uh, top trade value players in the NHL. So I can see the Bruins doing some sort of trade involving DeBrusque going to the Yotes in order for us to get Ekman-Larson to beef up our defense. Because as we all know, Chara will probably retire soon, so we need someone there with McAvoy, a veteran presence on the defense. I think that'll be a perfect trade to do: DeBrusque and a pick, or DeBrusque and two picks to get Ekman-Larson. It will work out. I don't know if the money will work. We'll probably have to get rid of someone else, too, to make the money work. But I think that will be the preferred trade there to get another veteran defenseman to come in to kind of replace crew. And uh, my big thing with Rask on the docket is I think the Bruins are going to let Rask go into the expansion draft pool. And I fully expect Seattle, when they do do their expansion draft, to take Tuca Rask away from the Bruins. And I think he will be a Kraken, whatever the time comes. I believe it's this year, right? Oh, okay, it's next year. I think year. it's Never next mind. year. Rask for one more year. but Or we could trade Rask. I don't know. But I know the Yotes would not be interested in Rask as far as African Larson is concerned. Uh, they got a two-goalie system. I'm not fully 100% on what the two goalies are. But listening to Chicklets and hearing Biz talk about the Yotes, they got two goalies right now that seem pretty good. So I would fully expect us to deal DeBrusque to this offseason.
1: My thing with the Larson thing, one more, more thing on that. I just – I don't want – I would not want to, like – Unless we're getting rid of like a top, like a salary dump trade, crazy. I would. Yeah, exactly. Like someone like that, and I would then kind of respect it. But like, Alex Petrangelo is a free agent. He's not going back to the Blues, and he's pr- he's obviously going to command a little bit more than eight and a half. So he'll probably be in like the ten, right around ten million dollars a year. Why not just pay that extra million and a half for? A bona fide top five defenseman in the league. Just a complete anchor. Uh, Obviously, we saw it last year in the Cup. I mean, this guy just lights out. He's Victor Hedman level. I mean, why not just go get... Go attempt. Maybe maybe you don't get him. And then who's to say you don't come back and then trade for Ekman Larson. But, like, this guy has... I mean, I'm pretty sure the reports are out that the Blues are pretty much out on this guy because... They can't afford well, them.
0: We, we can't Why afford not? them
1: either. Why not? I mean, but we could we could easily, easily free up some room. Well,
0: we got...
1: You know, I feel like there's definitely a trade.
0: We have to dump crazy. ahead.
1: I think we could also dump Rask. There, there's a pretty good uh, goalie market out there right now. Who's to say we can't just pick up a, a solid goalie for cheaper money? Not saying we have to go out there and sign um what's his name, Leonard or Holtby or whoever the top goalies are, but dude, this is a deep class. This is a deep uh, goalie free agent class. So I mean, I do think Krejci and or Rask should be traded so we can free up money. But like, I want, I would, if we're just gonna go out there and trade assets for Ekman Larson, I would rather just free up cap space somehow. I feel like it's pretty easy to find a trade partner for Tuukka Rask of how good of a goalie he is. Um, David Krejci too. I mean, that might be a little bit harder. And then you can put yourself in the running for a guy like Alex Petrangelo. I, I am I wrong? I feel like I feel like.
0: Well, I think I think. We all love Krejci, and I think Krejci had a very good season this year, but I think whatever trade we do, he probably will be involved in to do a salary cap down.
1: Yeah. See, I don't know. I mean, I'm not, like, totally opposed to the ekman Larson thing, but I just don't want to give up assets for for that kind of player. I'd rather just go all in and get a superior player, a superior defenseman and, um Petrangelo but by all means if if Ekman Larson's a Bruin and they give up Krejci or DeBrusque or whoever else I'm not going to be that upset because they're unloading cap at the same time they're getting a very 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 good replacement for Torrey Krug probably a better replacement I would definitely say that he's better than Torrey Krug just because well-rounded Torrey Krug really the only thing he really provided for us was uh his power play specialist he's he was the quarterback of that whole power play thing. So I mean, I definitely definitely like the idea of adding another Brandon Carlo type player to this defense, just a well-rounded so yeah, it would, it well rounded guy. No, definitely see. would
0: be an interesting offseason for the Bruins. It's, it's definitely uh Dude,
1: this is gonna be a I very think, interesting
0: offseason. I think we're mildly season. at a crossroads right now, but not like uh blow up the team or keep what got crossroads, but it's yeah crossroads exactly. at what direction we want to go from here
1: something will be done this off season when i say that it's, it's going to be something significant something significant will be done whether it's we trade away a piece or we add a piece something is going to significantly be done for the first time in a long time in Bruins off seasons cuz they've pretty much carried the same core they've just kind of switched out bottom 6 and bottom 2 defensemen forwards out and in backup goalies it's been the same core but this year i think that's definitely going to change someone is out the door definitely for sure so uh that pretty much wraps us up Liam, do you have uh, picks I don't, you know do in front of me, i not. would
0: take the pats spread this week and i would take heat to win game 3
1: I like the Seahawks spread. I think it's six and a half against the Dolphins. And I also like the Pats spread at plus seven. So, unless you have anything Uh, else left to say? The Spurs just advanced,
0: uh, my Spurs just advanced to the uh, quarterfinals of the Carabao Cup and qualified for group stages of Europa. So, Tottenham Hotspurs are on the rise, but while well, your Liverpool team just got bounced by Arsenal from the Carabao Cup, so... Um, <laughs> oh, damn. Yeah, it was Wasn't it in pens? Uh, Tottenham won in pens to beat Chelsea and play Stoke City, who is not even... Chelsea's yeah, bad. No, Chelsea's bad. But uh, Tottenham will be playing Stoke City, who is not even in the Premier League uh, in the quarterfinals, so... Hopefully, we move on to the semis. And uh, Tottenham hasn't won a trophy since 2008. So, hopefully, I'll finally see a cup lifted this year with uh, my beloved Spurs.
1: (laughs) All right. Uh, That pretty much leaves us off here. We'll be talking next week after Pat's Chiefs. Breaking that down for you. Um, Pretty much it. So, uh, we'll See see you very soon.